Good morning, guys. Welcome to my podcast. I have been off for a while, but I was almost inspired this early morning to share this thought with you. And it really made me focus on why I was such an advocate for, or not even was, but why I am such an advocate of what you pour into your children. I'm a strong advocate for protecting your kids, you know, shaping them, because what you say or do to your children, especially your 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 daughters, and let's not forget the boys, but children in general, what you say or what you do to your children can shape them into either a very positive, confident leader or into a broken, spirited individual who has no self-identity and has low self-confidence and has no real strong aspirations in life. We are responsible as adults how our children develop. It's, it's, you know, you have to take accountability for yourselves and hold your, and know that you're the one who's creating either the blessing or the monster. You know, the name of this podcast is going to be called My Hate of the Black Woman. And I know it might sound very offensive to a, a lot of people, but this is just my experience and I'm sharing with you my experience, what it was like for me. You know, do I hate black women or women in general now? No, I had to heal and I had to understand that, you know, they're not all the same. You know, but my based on my um, my upbringing, my perspective of black women was very negative. It was, you know, they're competitive and not the healthy way. Um, They were jealous. They were bitter. They were angry. You know, I I saw black women as people that you need to watch out for and not to say that any other race um, didn't have those negative uh, attributes, but you have to understand me being black, me being f- from the Caribbean at that, you would think that, you know, the black woman is who you should run to, who is going to embrace you, who is going to love up on you. But in my experience, that was not the case. I remember... And I know in my previous podcast, some of you have heard me speak about, like, my mom and, you know, how the negative effects that she had on me. My mom was from the Caribbean, all about the tough love, um, very aggressive and um, psychologically and physically and emotionally abusive. I also grew up with stepsisters who were also black. Um, one of them was, again, negative and dark and confrontational and so jealous. And she was my father's daughter and not my mother's daughter. So there was so much resentment from me having my mom and father there and, you know, jealous of that. I had my mom, which was crazy to me because my mom... 
was such a, like I said, <laughs> a negative and dark person. Um, but, you know, from a very early age, my mom let me know she was not happy with my birth, that I wasn't supposed to be here. Um, you know, she regrets giving birth to me. So you have to imagine, knowing that at a very early age, eighth grade, uh, eight years old, I'm sorry, eight years old, and I'm pretty sure I knew it if we're talking about spirituality. I knew it very early in my consciousness from the, probably the moment that I was born because, you know, you carry your, your parents' pains and um, energy. So she let me know she wasn't very happy with me as, as far as like my childbirth. She wasn't happy that I was born and she, she drilled that into my mind. So you have to imagine what my self-worth was like, how I viewed myself, you know, and I had a lot of resentment towards her. I had a brother and obviously my father was around and I'm very grateful for that, for the both of them. And although they had their flaws, but they were always peace. They weren't creating chaos. They weren't trying to belittle me or just create negative energy within our household. For me, the negative energy always came from the women, the black women, again, who I was supposed to run to. I was supposed to run to my mom and be consoled and be carried and be uplifted and be poured into. She was unable to provide that for me. You know, and then I had a stepsister, again, was unable to provide you know, the love and grace and being consoled. And that it wasn't always completely like that, you know, because I had um, moments, which is almost like, it makes me think of the, um, I forgot what syndrome that is, where, you know, you start to sympathize with the abuser. Because why? There were some days this person would still feed you, right? This person would still help you get dressed. This person would do your hair when they were in the mood. So although they were abusing you on one hand, on the other hand, they had moments where they would treat you nice. So then you became sometimes confused about, you know, is this what love is? You know, um, I had another sister who also lived with us. Um, that also too was my father's daughter, but we all had um, different mothers. We we're all different mothers. She was not as um, jealous and um, negative as my mom and my other sister. But when the other sister, you know, started to feed things into her, she couldn't help herself but to, you know, wallow. You know, that sister that I, uh, the first sister that I told you about was the one that she was, she, she would suck you in. She would bring you into her labyrinth of negativity. And I spend a large portion of my life trying to get her to not hate life, not hate me, not hate my mother, not hate our household, just to avoid her from creating chaos within our space, you know? So that was my, that was my plate of the black woman. And I tell people all the time, like, your child is going to develop an idea of what the world is, and it's going to start from the home. If your home is negative and nasty, your child's outlook on the outside is going to be negative and nasty. And even if it's not, they're going to try to search and hold on to and cling on to anything on the outside world to try to give them something that they're not getting from home. I have a daughter myself. She's 13. She's going to be 13 in November. And listen, I, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I know that 
I haven't been working consistently and not making myself a negative attribute to her life. You know, that's why I do a lot of self-work. I do. And I've been doing a lot of self-work since I can remember because I always recognized that my upbringing was not healthy. I knew that since I was like nine. I always knew. Like, it was always in the lingering in the back of my mind to the point that I used to have conversations with God. Like, why did you send me here? You know, I like, I felt like I was being punished. Like, I, I knew I didn't deserve it, but I was in it. And I, and I remember, you know, crying to God, like, why would you send me to a place like this? Why am I being punished? What did I do to deserve this? So, flash forwarding, you know, I went to, we're talking about elementary school to junior high. I went to a school from kindergarten pre-K all the way to eighth grade and it was a Catholic school and it was in New York City and it was um it was it was like in uh, Manhattan and it was in like the upper parts of Manhattan and it was very diverse um but that's one thing I appreciate about going to that school I I, I, I had a class always that there was a Japanese and a Chinese and an African and a Spanish person and a white person. So that's why I've always been very keen on having a diverse environment around me because it, 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 it shapes me. I appreciate it. I appreciate what it gives me, how it, it poured into me what I needed. And it gave me a real strong um, perspective on life of, you know, different tastes, different cultures, different music, you know. So flash forward. And the school that I went to was predominantly about 90% white people. It was all white teachers, white, you know, leaders, principals, you know, office associates, mostly white. Um, And, you know, as you go through each grade, you can kind of always kind of get a preview of who, what teacher you're going to have, you know, like in the next grade. So for me, I used to always recognize this black woman. And she was the only black teacher and she was the eighth grade teacher. And I remember being so excited, like I couldn't wait to get to her because I just finally said, wow, you know, look at this black woman leader in this predominantly white school. I can't wait to get her. She looks just like me. I can't wait to be in her presence and for her to pour into me and, you know, and embrace me and uplift me and all that. Unfortunately, it was the complete opposite. This lady, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a 39-year-old woman and I still hold resentment for this teacher. You know, I remember um, just, I was just reminiscing about in eighth grade, I had one. Um, it was it was this thing that we did every month. It was stu- you got student of the month, and they would do it in front of the whole middle school at that time, whatever your your grade level was. They would bring all the teachers, all the students, into the auditorium, and the teacher would have to write, you know, a short little paragraph about the student. So it would go as far as like this student. Um, excels academically is a great leader in the classroom um um you know assists her classmates you know um 
is willing to share whatever it is they thought you were at that time. I'm just trying to speak off the top of my head. So my eighth grade teacher, who I will never forget, um, and he was from the Caribbean. And again, male figure, doesn't create chaos, is loving, you know, is patient. He was black. You know, I always saw that males were much more approachable and much more safer than um, women of color. So anyway, she wrote this amazing speech about me. And you're supposed to have out of your three teachers, two teachers to vote for you to get this award. So they, he writes this incredible speech and comes to find out I was student of the month of that class. So you walk up on the stage, you get your awards, everybody claps for you, then you go back to your seat. And I kid you not, it must have been three seconds with me into my seat. And this woman, this, this black woman, this eight, this eighth grade teacher, walks up to the back of my ear and taps on my short shoulder and says, you know, I don't think you deserve that award. Talk about crushing someone's spirit. Talk about manipulation. Talk about just spiteful and vile. Like you would wait till I got the award and I felt worthy and I felt proud and I felt accepted and you could not contain yourself that you needed to come behind my ear. I was what, 12, 13 at that age, 13. You couldn't contain yourself that you had to come to the back of my ear and say, I don't think you deserve that award. Again, black woman. And I remember I couldn't understand it. My, 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 you already know my spirit is crushed. Again, this is why I'm a strong advocate. Like I'm very protective to, of kids with teachers because teachers can be as far as they're supposed to be leaders. But some teachers that I've come across can be the worst person to be in that position. You're, you're sending your child off to school and you're thinking that these teachers are shaping your children to be success stories. And some of them, I don't know if you got into the job or if they got into the job because, hey, you know, I get a lot of days off as far as like, you know, weekends are always off, holidays are off. But some of them were not meant to be leaders. I still believe this in a lot of organizations that I was part of, like you, women and not even, it doesn't matter if they're black women, men, you got to be careful who you give titles of leadership to, because those people can literally be the rotten apple of a whole batch. They will either make a team or completely break a team, you know? And I know that if I'm ever in a leadership position and I have at many times, my job is to light fire under you. I'm not saying that I'm going to be selling you stories on, you know, on how amazing you are. No, of course I want to hold you accountable, but my job is to light fire up under you to be inspired like an air balloon. So you to take off, but not to light fire under you for you to burn down and to crumble. And sure, there's the story of how people come out of fire like a phoenix. But what is it in our culture that we feel like we need to always arrive from the dirt, from concrete, from fire? 
Why do we need, what is this narrative of we need to be completely destroyed and sometimes by our own for us to be uh, uh, enlightened, for us to be success. That does not have to happen. You can, you can be developed from fertile ground, from amazing water, from amazing sunlight. You can develop somebody by actually pouring love into them. But again, I think that my theory is, you know, our come from our background, again, people of color, that we, we have such a, uh, this this negative aura that we carry and it comes from our defensiveness the things that we had to fight and things that we had to protect ourselves from you know so my hate of the black woman came from unfortunately my experiences from having the mother that I had having the sisters that I had coming across having a teacher like that so moving forward I automatically knew to have my guard up, build up a big brick house whenever I came across a black woman. Because unfortunately, my experience was deep rooted in my reality. You know, your, your mother is supposed to show you how to have relationships with others um, and, and create in, and show you how to have intimacy and show you vulnerability. I, did, I never received that. I had to, as an adult not even as an adult, but as a young child and as a teenager, come up with coping mechanisms and realize like, this is not healthy. I'm not supposed to feel like this to the point of me not wanting to live because I hated my reality that bad. You know, it's the grace of God that I'm actually here. But, you know, I realized I'm like, you know, if you don't pay attention to how you raise your children, and how we raise our youth, it's your fault. You made them, you you make created the monster. It's it's as adults, we're we're the ones who's responsible. What are you gonna choose to do this today to do today? That's why I'm very careful even how I even interact with people. I can literally loathe a person, but I it, I don't have it in my heart or in my spirit to give them negative feedback or to give up or or direct them in the wrong way it's just not in my spirit because i it's just your little sense that you give to somebody can make or break somebody i choose to give them something that can make them into something great that can lead them into the light that and you know i am a a sensitive spirit i am a, a empathetic empathetic spirit and I am a very loving person. And, you know, I tried to hide that and conceal that because it was my form of um, protecting myself from people and not allowing them to see that in myself. Because somehow in my childhood and upbringing, I believed when you allow people to see those vulnerabilities, that's how people could hurt you the most. You know, so my hate of the black woman, as I mentioned was just because of my upbringing and as a young adult I had to hold myself accountable not blaming myself but realizing that this is not how this is not the truth this is a false belief but based on my experiences but I get to change that so I did go into Buddhism and it helped me a lot it helped me to heal it helped me to 
take myself away from victimville and become more of a survivor, you know, a warrior goddess, you know, um, it, uh, allowed me to forgive and let go. Um, also interacting with others. I remember going to my friend's house and, you know, I grew up in, in, in Washington Heights. So it's, it was a large population of Spanish people. And a lot of my friends, they were Spanish and, you know, you would see their mothers just so they, they coddled them and they were so nurturing and they were so loving and it was almost like they were waiting for them at the door when they came home from school and they would be they would be loving towards me and you know I remember craving that like wow how come I don't have that you know when I go home how come I don't get to feel that when I go home you know my daughter she's half um Dominican and half Haitian and you know even um her father um just like me, you know, we love our mothers, but you know, from the stories he told me as well of how rough his mother was with me. And I'm sure it wasn't as rough as mine because even when I met his mother, his mother was still a little bit more loving towards me than my mother was. And he met my mother himself and he saw like, you know, what she carried. He met my sister. And I remember him telling me like, you know, your sister is beautiful physically but because of the way she is on the inside, she's just such an ugly person. And I remember him saying that. And I remember being defensive of her. Mind you, it dawned on me how much, even even when my own other family members, my cousin would tell me of things that my mother did. And, and, I, and, I, and I was a witness to a lot of things that my mother did to my other family members or to my sisters. And no matter what, I think it's called Stockholm Syndrome, I always defend I always wanted to defend her you don't understand you don't understand why she is like that because to me throughout through the abuse I I had to create a narrative I had to create a story of why she was like that because I I almost refused to believe that she was born this way but as an adult it became more of like okay I acknowledge what she did and I would be so embarrassed you know, I remember my mother kicking my cousin out over socks out of our house. Mind you, this was less than forty out for less than forty-eight hours of my cousin's house burning down. You would think a sock, a shoe, whatever it is, wouldn't be a major issue for a human being after witnessing someone's whole entire life burned down to the ground but my mother felt like at that time I need to kick her out over a pair of socks my cousin ended up staying with a friend which to me I always held on in the back of my head as how could you do this to your niece to your sister's daughter to my cousin but again this was my mother I already knew who she was already but even to me that was like wow like so low and I I carried so much guilt because of that because again, that was my mom, you know? So I had so much hate, you know, for her and, and just hate of what I experienced from her and the hate of what I experienced from black women. And then I realized it came full circle. It allowed me to have hate for myself because I too was a black woman. I hated myself. For a very long time because you know that this was me and that was me no matter what my sister was me my mother was me that teacher was me and I hated myself 
And I had to go through so many forms of therapy, whether it was through through a psychiatrist, personal development, and self-help books. To the point that, you know, even my friends would tell me, why do you read? Why are you always, like, trying to fix yourself? And, you know, to be honest, it's because I was part of such dark and negative forces that I knew that if I didn't heal that, if I didn't let that part of myself go, I would not be able to be pleasant for anybody else. I would not be able to be a good wife, a good sister, a good friend. I wouldn't be able to have grace for myself. And I'm 39 years old. I'm telling you, I am still working on my healing because I acknowledge how I show up in a room and in a relationship, how I show up at work. I acknowledge the self-sabotage because you don't trust, you know, you don't trust black women. You don't trust women. You don't trust men. You don't trust yourself. You have self-hate. You, you don't have grace for yourself. You are not tender with yourself. You don't know how to forgive yourself. And these are all things they stem from home. You know, I don't, now I had to realize, it's not just now, but previously, I had to acknowledge that I don't have to bring my mom into every room that I go to. I don't have to bring my sister into every room that I go into because I have met some incredible black women. I have met some incredible women in general that actually want to help you that actually want to see you grow, that is not in competition with you. But I've also met a lot of jealous and competitive and negative black women or women in general. And I remember telling my ex and telling him that, you know, you know, guys, you guys get into an argument and y'all let it go and y'all move on. Y'all will literally get into a fist fight and let it go and move on. Women, we will create a whole narrative and a whole tribe against sometimes one person, you know? And again, it's our upbringing, unfortunately. It's, you know, we're, we're made to believe we have to be in competition. You have, if we, there can be both of us success, you have to be head honcho, King Kong. You know, I grew up believing, you know, my mom would always told me, you don't need friends. You don't need no friends, you know. Um, so for a long time, I, I, I put up a wall and I don't need nobody. I don't need nobody. You can't trust nobody, you know. I also believed, you know, based on my upbringing, you know, be careful, you know. They're, you know, don't let them know too much because then they'll, they'll, you, they'll, they'll try to go for your, you know, they'll, they'll try to come for your head. You know, being very secretive of, about my wins and about my successes because I believe, like you know, women were competitive, and once they know, they 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 want to be your competition. It's just our natural instincts. They can't help themselves. So I, I'm very secretive about, about my wins, you know, and and to the point that I don't share until I already have it in my hands, you know, which is horrible. Because you're supposed to be around a community of women and that's like, oh my God, like holding you up and cheering for you, you know? I, I also believed when it came to women, like, you know, I, I believe that based on who I was and based on my upbringing, 
I had to dim my light. I had to, I had to almost um, hide my true self, you know, shield my spirit. Because I realized at a very early age, my spirit agitated, my soul, my aura agitated women. Because I didn't have that negative effect on men. I didn't. It wasn't. I didn't have that same effect on the boys in my class or the men who I encountered, or you know, like my dad, my brother, my cousins, like the boys in my class, the boys who I. I didn't have that effect. It was more women. So, I learned very early: hide that part of yourself, dim your light, stand to the back, you know, fly under a very low radar. Don't let them see what you have. You know. And I, and I realized, like, I agitated their spirit, whether it would be my mom or my spirit, uh, or my sister, that I needed to conceal that about myself. So that's not who you were made to be. This is not who you were created to be. So that's going to have a negative effect on your growth, on, on who you were made to be. I'm very thankful of my continuous search for my own healing and again like I said I don't I I try my best with my daughter um you know she may grow up and say my mom was horrible um which I doubt but I'm sure she's gonna have quirks about me that she didn't really care for but I'm giving her from the plate that I have but I'm also self-aware and knowing that I can remove some things from my plate that don't deserve to be there or that doesn't serve me that doesn't feed me in in a healthy way so as 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 i'm raising her i'm also healing myself i'm also allowing myself to let go and let down burdens that don't serve me you know and i don't i'm not sure if Many of you have experienced this, but this is just my experience. And again, this is not my reality right now. I have a lot of women around me who pour into me, who want the best for me. But I am still going through a healing process that's allowing me to trust 100% fully, not side-eye. Because that, that is a spirit that I, I, I still carry, where it's just I'm open enough I cracked the door enough for you to come in, but I'm, I still have the armor of God on me, which, you know, you're, you're, you're meant to have, but you know, as women, I, after a while, you, you want to put the armor down. I don't want to be in war for the rest of my life. I don't want to have to feel like I'm in a battlefield for the rest of my life. You know, like I've done this for 39 years and I've reached to the point where I know that I want to take off the armor and put it down. And I want to pick it up when I have to, but it's not something that I want to carry forever. I want to expose my vulnerable parts. I want to trust a hundred percent. I want to trust it, not only just people in general, because it has nothing to do with people. It's my, I want to embrace my divine feminine energy. I want to trust myself and my instincts a hundred percent. Because that'll allow me to have discernment with others when it comes to having people around me. Because, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that the world is rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And you need to run into the world naively. But you also don't have to be walking around the world with, you know, a, a sword and, you know, 
your metal armor and your hands sticking out, you know, owning line or people allowing people to come with within you at a six foot distance. You know, COVID is enough of that. God knows I'm tired of the mass already and, you know, six feet. But, you know, this is our reality and, you know, we're all in it together, you know, but I hope this reaches and touches you in a way and um, makes you be a better person, be a better light to somebody. And if you have children, to be aware of what are you pouring into them? What do you want your kids to believe about themselves? If it's up to me, my daughter's 13, if at 18, I can teach her how to have grace with herself, how to forgive herself, how to embrace her femininity, how to let her know it's okay to be, you know, sensitive. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be open. It's okay to be completely honest. Speak your truth. Then I know that I did my job. I I don't care if she is an artist, engineer, an athlete, whatever she chooses to be. If her heart is full, her self-confidence is high. Her divine feminine energy is is something that it, it just envelopes around her and is light and is beautiful. Then I did my job. So I I I, I share this with you so that maybe you can reminisce and look back as far as like what your come from was and how it contributed to who you are as a woman today. Not just a black woman, but just a woman today. Or not just a a black boy, a man today. And maybe this will give you insight, especially if you're an educator of, again, what am I giving this child? Am Am I helping this flower bloom or am I helping this flower die? Um, I hope to this. I hope this podcast was an inspiration to some of you. I hope it touched many of you. Again, I'm sharing from my perspective. If I've offended anyone, I'm sorry, but this is this is my story, and I get to speak my truth. And I hope you listen with an open heart and an open mind. And I hope that today, tomorrow, and forever, you get to be the light, not to yourself, but to your children, but to many people that you will cross paths with. Peace and love. I wish the best for you today, tomorrow, and always. Love you. Peace out.